studying this Acts chapter 2. We've been looking at the early church and the purpose of why we come together. Because we can pray by ourselves. We can read the word by ourselves. We can even watch a worship service from the comfort of our couch if we really want to. But the one thing that we see when we study this early church in Acts is that there's a power when the people come together and they're all obedient to the Spirit. There's a power that comes through there. And there's a sense of oneness, a unity, and a family. So let's start in Acts 2, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. First week when we started this, we talked about the importance of worshiping together. Because when we come together to praise God, we're celebrating a common purpose. And and what happens is we start to develop God's character traits. Galatians 5.22, we read about the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, love, kindness, forgiveness, gentleness, self-control. When we come together and we worship together, we start to develop those traits in us. And we talked about prayer. And when we come together to pray together, what happens is we're speaking to God in one unified voice. And that's powerful. And it helps us to take self out of the equation a little bit. Because we start to recognize when we're praying with others and we're praying with their needs in mind, it takes ourselves out of the picture a little bit. We talked about serving. We talked about sharing. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 how we're all given spiritual gifts. And how when the body works together to serve using those spiritual gifts, great things happen. And that's how we're able to fulfill the mission of the church. Because everyone has a gift, and God put us together so that you could use your gift, you could use your gift, you could use your gift. And when we all pull it together, it's a beautiful masterpiece. And last week, we talked about discipleship. We we looked about... Jesus' plan to build the church was tied to his plan to make disciples. So when we're growing in Christ together, there's this natural outpouring to the people around us. And our love for God and for people starts to catch on. It becomes contagious. Tonight, we're going to look at community. Now, if you drive through most neighborhoods today, you'll see fences. They come in all shapes and sizes. Styles. Some will be short and small. Some will be really tall, solid like a wall of fortress. But one thing you know about fences is they're designed to either keep something in or keep something out. Now, when Jay and I lived in Virginia, 
we had a fence that went around the entire uh, perimeter of our backyard. Now, our front yard was always kept really nice. The grass was green, and there were nice flowers out front. Hedges were always trimmed nicely. It was pleasing and pleasant to look at, but that was the front yard. Now, on the other side of the fence, it was a little bit different. The grass, maybe not so green, and there were no flowers because that's where the kids played. And all of their toys were strewn across the backyard. That's where their uh, sandbox was. That's where the swing set was. Their bikes were everywhere. We even had a big porch where we would have meals there together sometimes. And we had a dog. Now, as hard as we tried, you still had to avoid where, you know, watch where you're walking in the backyard. Now, the, the fence was the separation between those two spaces. It was the barrier between the front, which everyone was allowed to see, and the back, which is where we actually lived. Now, one of God's plans for the church, the one that we see lived out in Acts 2, is that we are to be connected. God wants us to live connected with him and connected with one another. Listen to Jesus' prayer when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane in the 17th chapter of John. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through your message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. God wants us to know true community. Now, let's go back to our fence. Let's picture our lives as a yard. If a lot of us were honest, we would say that we like fences. Safe. We're comfortable showing people and letting people know just a little bit about our front lawn trying to keep it nice and pretty, uh, but not so much about the backyard. The backyard, that's a little bit different because that's where the real us lives. And we only let people in there by invitation only. In fact, I think I might build a fence just because I'm not sure I want you to know what's going on with the real me. I don't want you to see the parts of my life that aren't so cleaned up. I don't want you to step in the dog piles. I'm not sure I want to have a meal together. See, the backyard is private. The backyard is me. Everything in the front of the house is perfectly presented. But the back of the house behind this fence, that's where the true us resides. This is the yard of our lives. Now, here's the deal about fences. God doesn't really like them. Now, that doesn't mean go home and rip out your fences. I'm not talking about literal fences. I'm talking about the fence between us and God and the fence that we put up between us and others. God really wants us to rethink our fences. Because if we intend to love one another the way that God intended, if we're going to experience 
life and community the way that God wants us to, there are a few things that we have to realize. First thing is that Jesus crashed the fence. Jesus broke the fence for us. Before we talk about the fence between me and you and you and me, we have to first talk about the barrier, the fence that's between us and God. Let's read Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And so we have, since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. The writer of Hebrews here is talking about the fact that Jesus gave us a way back to God. See, in the Old Testament, the temple in Jerusalem was the center of the religious life. It's where the sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins were carried out. But in the temple, there was a veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple where the men were. But the high priest was the one, once a year, that was allowed to go into that Holy of Holies place. But Jesus' death on the cross, his sacrificial atonement for our sins, that veil was torn. Matthew 27, verse 50 says this, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That meant the place that was reserved for God on earth. God was opened up to all of us, every one of us for all time. Amen for that one. Come on. That's <laughs> because Jesus is our high priest and has crashed our fence, that barrier, that veil that separated us from God, we're able to draw near him now with confidence. It's as simple as admitting you're a sinner, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, and knowing that you can't do it on your own. We'll never make it into his presence without Jesus to shatter the barrier between us and God. Romans 10.9 says it this way. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Romans 10.13 says it. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, we're born building fences. Walls and structures designed to hide us, protect us, confine who we really are. To keep us separated from God. We're born into sin and it's our first fence. Which keeps us from true community with him. It's only when we admit our failing and realize and accept Jesus on the cross that he crashed the fence. Only then can we have community with the Lord. If we don't first experience community with God, we're never going to know true community with one another. Because when we are baptized into Christ, we're baptized into the body of Christ. And we're bound together in a community of faith. 
When we belong to Christ, we belong to each other. Fellowship with Christ means fellowship with one another. Through Christ, God has made us a family, a community of faith. It's our God-given support system. But we come to this building, and we sing songs, and we play games with the kids, and sometimes we'll grab a donut and have a cup of coffee, and we smile, and we'll say hello, but we do it all from behind a fence. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say the fence was broken? Well, yeah, the fence between us and God is broken. But what we try to do is we do our best. No, no, we've got to build this fence back up. We can't let anybody see the real me. God can see the real me, but I don't want anyone else to see the real me. So I need to put that fence back up. Right? We only want people to see the pretty parts of our lives. We don't want them to see the laundry hanging in the backyard. So we keep building and building and building. Really good at building fences. Any of you familiar with that uh, home improvement show? They can throw that picture up for me. we go. Tim had a family. Uh, His family had a next door neighbor named Wilson. Nearly the entire series, all we saw was Mr. Wilson's eyeballs. Sometimes it's like that for us. We sit in this room next to people week after week. We serve on teams together. We may even be in Bible study together but we never see someone's whole face. We only get a glimpse from behind our fence. Say Dolores is standing on the other side of this fence. I can't give her a hug in a family crisis because the fence is in the way. And from on the other side of the fence, she can't really see what's going on in my life either. If I'm struggling with my kids can't really see any of that. We can't experience community when we put up our fence. Loving each other is impossible on either side of the fence. So what do we do? With all the fences that we put up around ourselves, it's hard to truly know how to love one another. So then we go back to our early church in Acts 2 and see how they broke down their fences. Verse 44 says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 46, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. They were intentional about spending time together. A lot of time. Day by day, every day. But during this time, the early church was under tremendous persecution. They were bound together through fellowship, in community, because they knew they needed each other. There was strength in numbers. Today, we may not be facing death, but we still have our trials and struggles. They just have different names. Discouragement, temptation, fear, rejection, failure, doubt. 
God hasn't left us alone. But we listen to the world tell us, no, you have to do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. That's not God's message. He's given each of us, each other, to help us run the race, to help us face the battles. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another day after day. Hebrews 10.24 through 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. One of the first ways to begin breaking down the fences between us is to just spend time together. All of the purposes that we've talked about of the church, worship, serving, prayer, discipleship, all of those are ways that you can begin to break down your fences. They're all ways to start building authentic community with one another. One of the word, the word in Hebrews 10 24 says, and let us consider. Consider means to contemplate. It means to strategize. It means think of it as planning for a successful event. Living life in one another's yards without fences is going to take not only intentionality but also strategy. It's finding ways to be purposeful about encouraging each other. It's spurring one another on to love and good deeds beyond just our church service and sermons. It's seeing beyond the walls and the fences that we've put up in front of ourselves. It's offering to pull the weeds in someone's backyard, clean up the dog piles, babysit kids. It's bringing a meal in times of crisis. It's having those go-to numbers in your cell phone when you break down. It's knowing who to call when you want to go on a double date or catch a movie. It's inviting someone into your home for dinner. It's teaming up when we have a church service project and working alongside friends. It's just enjoying one another and helping each other enjoy serving Jesus. But these things don't happen automatically. They happen when we consider how to make them happen. be thinking that's just a little bit unrealistic to think that I'm going to get along with every person in this room that's just that's just not going to happen I'm not going to sit around a campfire singing kumbaya okay you know kind of like some of us are a little prickly like porcupines so when we all start to huddle together we start to stick each other Ooh, get away from me but you know what early church had the answer to that too verse 44 said they had all things in common this wasn't simply about sharing their material possessions because in verse 46 it says they continued with one mind in their effort to be together and build community they focused on their common ground they were focused on the things that united them not on the differences that divided them One of the value statements that we have here at Sawgrass says, we will be a community of believers that is more focused on the things that unite us than we are distracted by the things that divide us. See, Christ is our common ground. Jesus binds us all together in a family. And through him, we have three things. First thing we have is a common story. 
Every one of us in here was a sinner saved by grace. Doesn't matter what your past was, doesn't matter what you did, we are all in need of a Savior. And because of Christ, we also have a common calling. Each of us is called to know Christ more and more and to make him known to others. We're called to put off the old life and put on the new. We're called to holiness and obedience that glorifies God with our lives. And the third thing we have that we share is a common goal. We should all desire to grow spiritually and desire to introduce others to Christ. Our goal as disciples is to see God's kingdom grow. Listen to how Paul describes our commonalities in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner of, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ, that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. When we focus on the things that unite us, we can celebrate our diversity. Community isn't about uniformity. It's not, all, it's not about us all being the same. Because God made us all unique, and he made us different for his purpose. Ephesians four sixteen says it this way. Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy. And growing and full of love. That's community. When we embrace the knowledge that Jesus crashed the fence, the barrier between us and God, and we stop trying to put it back together and build it up and build it up between us and others, that's when we're going to experience the authentic community that this early church had. And when that kind of community is on display for all the world to see, there help us stop. Jesus himself said that they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. It's, it's by God's design. See, community means that we don't build fences. Community means that we dig below the surface. Community means authenticity, the sharing of ourselves with others, a deeper relationship than we can have just sitting in, in this room. Community means standing in someone else's yard and allowing them to stand in mine. Both of our dirty, stinky yards with all the toys, all the weeds, and all the dog piles. Whose yard are you in? Or who are you allowing into your yard? We're truly going to experience not only the church, but also the life that God has intended it to be. And we can't live behind fences. To truly love in a way that matters, we have to love one another in here. And we have to start by knocking down those fences. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to transform into a super social extrovert. 
It just means that we don't live in isolation. And we have to realize that it's everyone's job. It's not everyone else's job. We all need to work at it. If you're sitting down waiting for someone to come to you, then you're sitting in the wrong spot. Community is standing in someone's yard, and it means that you stand in someone else's yard, and you start with one step. Baby steps are good. Next week, we're having a Super Bowl party. That would be a baby step. That morning, we're having a prayer meeting. That'd be another baby step. Our men's studies, our women's Bible studies, every one of those are baby steps. As we leave here tonight, know that the church is our God-given support system. Remember that Jesus has crashed the fence. and Stop looking for ways to rebuild it. Look for ways to be purposeful about inviting someone into your yard. Just enjoy the company. That's what God's intention is, for us to just enjoy one another. Let's start considering how we can be connected with one another, to encourage one another, and to help each other grow. Father, I thank you for your word. Sometimes your word hurts. Sometimes it stings. Father, may we, may we let your word just resonate it in our soul, Father. Let it, let it just sit there. May we pray on it. May we meditate on it, Father. And may we consider, Father, ways to be intentional and purposeful about loving others and letting them in our yard, Father making a difference for other people. Father, I thank you for your presence with us this evening. I ask for your blessing upon each person that couldn't be here with us and a blessing upon everyone here as they go their way, Father. In your precious Son's name, Amen.